You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. I can't think of a better picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus than the fact that we're sheep, and He leads us, He guides us, and uh, He protects us, He saves us, He defends us. Uh, what a phenomenal picture. Uh, Mom and Dad, if, you, if you, uh, you picked up the activity pages for your kids, now's the time for them to uh, dive into those and to color and do whatever. And hope you'll, as you go home, on the way home, even talk to them a little bit further about that passage. Maybe even open it, read it to them. We as a church, even though we're, uh, we're all adjusting to different things differently and weird with COVID, right? Uh, as a church, we still kids are still important to us, and so we uh, we're trying to give all these opportunities just to help mom and dad, so you can disciple your own kids. So anyway, it's great to see you guys at River. Go ahead and turn with your Bible, if you would, to Second Peter chapter three, and uh, we're wrapping up this wonderful letter uh, from Peter. I have really, and I'm not just saying this. I know I'm supposed to because I'm a pastor, but I'm, I really have enjoyed. Uh, the, this whole uh, section with Peter. And Peter today is really telling us, he's summarizing what his whole, whole book is about and what his letter is about to us. I cannot think of another book of the Bible that so unpacks just simply, not too much, but enough that you can kind of think through what the Christian life is supposed to be like. I can't think of a better book to take a brand new follower of Jesus through Peter tells us, he's giving us a, a kind of a synopsis of what our life should be like as, as followers of Jesus, that, hey, you've, you've trusted in Christ and you have faith, that's great. Continue to grow and add to your faith virtue and knowledge and, and endurance and self-control and all of these things. And, and as we've talked about it, be careful because just everybody that claims to be a Christian and is going to tell you things isn't somebody you should listen to. And, and live your life in a way that looks forward to Jesus coming back. Don't just say, is this all there is? You know, I'm saved, great, now I ignore God. And, and no, be thinking about and, and live your life in light of the return of our Lord Jesus. And Peter this morning uh, just kind of summarizes that whole thing for us. You know, if you want to really understand and dive into the depths of salvation and the intricacies of it, Read the book of Romans. If you want to understand the heart and what it means to, to follow God, read the book of Psalms. It's a great book to read regularly because it kind of puts you in that connection with God and it deals emotionally and relationally. If you understand the wisdom and mind of God, read the book of Proverbs. If you want to understand, if you can understand it, what's going to happen in the future, read uh, the book of Revelation. If you want to know who Jesus was and understand all of the principles of what salvation is right, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But if you really want a quick synopsis of what our life is like as a Christian, and you want to help somebody who's a new follower of Jesus, just kind of, what's this all about? Take them through the book of 2 Peter. It's a good reminder for us, for those, for us who have been following Jesus a while. So look with me and read with me in 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 14 down through verse 18. The Bible says this, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these... What are these we're waiting for? Well, in verse 13, it's the new heaven and the new earth. We're waiting for that. Just like we're all waiting to not have to wear masks again and for COVID-19 to be in the rearview mirror and... Hopefully it is, depending on who you're listening to, there's no hope and this thing's going to continually morph and we will just all have surgically implanted masks in our face from now till we die or, you know, it's all going to be over here in a few months, depending on you listen to. But regardless, we're waiting. Peter says, since you're waiting for these, the new heaven and the new earth and what God's going to do and the place where righteousness dwells that we ended up talking about last time, 
Here's some things that you need to think about for your life today. Number one, be diligent to be found by Him, to be found by the Lord Jesus without spot or blemish in your soul, is what He's talking about, and to be found at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. That's the way that we're to look at Jesus' delay in His return. Count it as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you, Paul, I'm not the only one talking to you about this stuff. Paul wrote to you guys about this stuff. Uh, according to the wisdom that was given to him, as he does in all his letters, when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and the unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other scriptures. Interesting. Peter sees, saw what Paul wrote as just as much Bible as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. When the, when the Bible authors were writing the Bible, they knew they were writing the Bible that was from God and different than other books. And the other apostles, and even, I believe, the Old Testament, they knew they were writing that, and they knew when those their peers were writing that Scripture, they knew these were the words of God. And he goes on and says this in verse 17. He says, You therefore, beloved, well-loved of God, he tells us twice in this passage, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Don't get carried away with the crowd of that. The Christian life tends to kind of go against the grain of the popular world around us. Be careful you don't get carried away in that instability. But instead, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. I want to share with you four things that Peter tells us. This should be the, the basis of our Christian life. I can't think of four more simple but more important things that, that our life ought to characterize our life really important for new followers of Jesus to understand, really important for old followers of Jesus to continue on. Four simple things. Peter says that we should take care of our souls first. That's what he says. He says, since we're waiting in this new heaven and this new earth that's coming, take care to be found by Jesus. So when Jesus comes, that He is as our fruit inspector, looks at our life, and that we are found without spot or blemish, and that we're found at peace. It's so significant, and the Bible is so consistent. You see, what matters is not what we think about our life. What matters is not what other people think about our life. What matters is what the Lord Jesus thinks about our life. You and I inspect our navels probably way too much in trying to figure out all the little nuances in our own heart and soul. And some of you are, do it a lot, and some of you are like, I never even bother to take time to figure that stuff out. That's just way too intense and way too introverted. Like, yeah, I want to go on in life. Some of you dive in way deep and you get lost in that. Some of us focus way too much on what other people think about us and we get lost in that. And what Peter says is, Christians, what we really should be focused in is what God thinks about us and be careful that the Lord Jesus, that when He looks at us, and when He comes, and as He's looking in our life, that He would find us without spot, without blemish, and at, at peace. Now, when you go to the doctor, one of the, the, one of the very last things you want to hear is, we have found a spot. That's not a word you want to hear. 
I've got a friend uh, who's a pastor in Poughkeepsie who's been battling cancer for a year and a half, and he, he has months to live. I saw him just two or three weeks ago at an ordination service that his church was having, honestly, for his replacement, and he looked like he had aged 20 years in just the last few months. My heart breaks for him. You know, he's not old. He's, you know, mid-50s and just awful, battling the cancer. I did a little bit of reading, and there's some science nerds in the room, and I'll let you guys straighten me out and dive into the details. But my understanding is that cancer carries its own DNA, and it's identifiable, you know, according to that DNA. And it's different than your DNA. And this whole thing for us as Christians, why these spots are bad, is because the spots are the DNA of the sinful, destructive life of our past that when Jesus Christ comes and He saves us from our sin, the Bible says that He makes all things new. And that He changes, He, gives us a, he makes us a new creation. That we're brand new and He gives us new DNA. In fact, it's the DNA of His Son, Jesus. And so what Peter's reminding us is that, guys, God has forgiven you. He saved you. His grace is real in your life. You stand forgiven and free and clear before God. So make sure that the outgrowth of that is becoming real in your heart. That thou, those sin, that sin pattern, that old DNA, that fallen nature in your soul, make sure that it's in remission, that it's getting less and less in your life. Because the Lord Jesus really cares about how we live. He, he is the one who invested His life to save us from our sin, wants to know, it, 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 this is looking at it from our perspective, wants to know that the work that he's done is effective. I don't know about you, but if I tackle a big project, I kind of want a reasonable expectation of success, right? If my car engine is not working well, I am not going to take it apart because the chance of success is about 0.001%. I don't do cars. I don't know cars, so I'm not going to go do that. We like when we do hard work or sacrifice or do something, we want a reasonable expectation of the, a good outcome. The Lord Jesus gave His life for us. He invested His life for us, and He expects us to live increasingly in a way that honors and follows Him. And there's, there's this tension that we've, we talk about often because some get on one side or the other, and it's easy for any of us to do that. We, on one hand, we need to be hold our heads high and grateful that in God's eyes He's forgiven us. He's buried our sins in the depths of the sea. And the Bible says He's removed them. He cannot see them. We are no longer held accountable for them positionally before the God in heaven. But there's also a reality that, that God is still inspecting our lives. Revelation 1-3, through 3, Jesus is walking among the churches today, as it were, inspecting the fruit of our lives. Because practically, he, he is wanting to impart into us that righteousness that He already declared over us. And what He's telling us is make sure that that salvation is working deep into your soul and removing that cancer. Unlike chemotherapy, the, the grace therapy that God gives us is not painful in, in that same way. It's gracious. And it, it, it holds us accountable, but it removes and it begins to more and more clean up our life and impart to us righteousness. Some might say, well, Sean, I'm already forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. Isn't that good enough? Yeah, that's good. 
But that's about like saying, hey, I got the ring. I'm married. Why do I need to live like a nice guy with my wife? Like, what? <laughs> you know, legally you're married, but why don't you act like you actually, you know, love and care for one another? That's all that Peter's telling us, is that positionally God saves us. We're his child, and make sure that you lean in, that you give every effort into that, that God wants to clean up our life more and more, not putting us on guilt trip, enjoying his that we're forgiven and free from sin, but also increasingly living more and more in that world. And the other piece of taking care of our soul is not just allowing the grace of God to continue to clean us up through confession and repentance and growing and God teaching us and maturing, but he also says work at being found by him in peace. In peace. I don't know about you, but as I look around the world, there's not a lot of peace in the world around us. There's not a lot of contentment. People are frustrated, they're irritated, they're upset, they're angry, they're hurt, they're in pain, they're, 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 they're overwhelmed by their reaction to situation in life and other people. And Peter just so succinctly, he doesn't dive in to tell us how to do this or the tales. His assumption is, is that through God's word and the Holy Spirit and fellowshipping as fellow Christians that we're going to figure it out and begin to live in this world. But he says, be at peace. Be, be content in your life. Be at peace with God. God is our peace that Jesus made peace between us and God in heaven. But sometimes even as Christians, as we're young Christians, and we still, we're saved and forgiven, but we're kind of like that kid that at times gets mad at mom and dad. And we can resent God for certain things in our life. And truth of the matter, it's more, it says more about our ignorance and misunderstanding God than it does about God and what's going on in the world. And Peter says, be at peace. Be at peace and really trust that God really loves you and has what's best for you and learn to grow in that more and more and see God's good hand towards you. Be at peace with other people. Be at peace in your life circumstance. And don't pine away your life wishing you had this or that or life would be better if you could only do this. But be at, be at peace. See, that's what God calls us to. In your life... Allow the grace and the forgiveness of God to increasingly become real in your life and be at peace in your life situation through the difficulties and, and all of that. I must confess with the COVID, and, and, and this is one common experience that we all have, but so many experiences of life, it's hard to be at peace in those situations. The world tells us that, that we get to be at peace whenever our circumstances change. You know, I need to go on vacation. I need to go sit by the ocean. And there's times we do need to pull away. But the world, the basic thing that the world tells us is that we're going to find peace out there somewhere. And if you're not happy, you need to change your circumstance. You need to change all of that so that you can be at peace. Today, mindfulness is becoming popular, and it's actually going 180 degrees the opposite direction where it says, you know what, you can't fix all of that, so... Get away from all of it and just go into yourself and find peace inside yourself. And that really only works for a while because then you step out of that and you go into the real world and 
you got all those realities again. I mean, that's only going to get you so far. You put your car into the ditch this winter and you spin out on ice, you can't just sit down and say, okay, I, I'm not feeling at peace right now, just world go away, you know, or my car's on fire or whatever. It can't do that. God offers us a different kind of peace that's better than both of those. It's the peace that passes all understanding with Jesus as Lord of your life, knowing that he's right there with you in the middle of it. And he's telling us, in essence, to live in that relationship with him so that you can be at peace with wherever and whatever situation you find yourself. So take care of your soul. Take care of your, your own soul and your walk with God. Second thing Peter tells us, this should be the focus in our life as a new follower of Jesus for the rest of our life. Not only should we take care of our soul, but we should take care of the soul of others, other souls. Look what he says in verse 15. And count, in other words, logically think about this in your head, that the patience of our Lord as salvation. Count that Jesus is taking so long to come back. Count it as God's long-suffering patience, as salvation, that God, as we talked last week, wants to save more people. He is giving more people the opportunity to hear the gospel and be saved. So don't be discouraged if by life that just can get you down so much and like, oh, I just want Jesus to come back. Why can't it ever come? Don't allow yourself to get overwhelmed. Recognize that God is doing something much bigger and He's giving the world around us an opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel. For you and I to live our life in such a way that other people see and hear the gospel. And that's the frame of mind that we should have. We should live our day knowing that we need to take care of our soul, but we are responsible to take care of the uh, other people's souls because they don't have the opportunity for peace that you and I have. They don't have the antidote to the sin cancer of their soul. And they stand condemned before God, and God wants them to have that, that opportunity. For you and for me, that means that we need to make that a priority of our life and a priority of our church. And so many of you live uh, faithfully in that, and it's a struggle. I talk with you and, and, and even those in my own family as you, you go. Some, some days and weeks and seasons at work, you're doing well just to not lose your cool, you know, for all the crazy stuff the world is doing around you and the the things, the situations that, that you get pushed into that conflict with your faith. And some days for you, it's just keeping your Christian um, attitude and lifestyle in the middle of that world is all you can muster. I want to encourage you that regardless of how you're investing in your life for the souls of others, to don't despise the little things. Don't, don't neglect or underestimate the little things that you do that God can use to do big things. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, when I first, I, I'll never forget when I first met Susan. It was not love at first sight and all of that. I was just an opportunistic young man at college, to be quite blunt with you. I went to have breakfast one morning before class, and I think it was just before class. You know the deal. You run in there quick, and, and I, I, I'm a morning person. I have to eat breakfast. If I don't, I'm just like messed up the rest of the day. And so I only knew one person in the cafeteria that day, and it happened to be a, a, a girl that was in my major. And she was sitting with four of her friends, all girls. So as a very entrepreneurial, opportunistic young man, I sat next to the one girl that I knew, and I met a whole bunch of the girls that I did not know, right? Good move, wouldn't you say? Good business move, you know? <laughs> uh, smart, smart, you know? 
smart. And I remember it was wintertime, so I think I must have gone back to my room, whatever, brushed my teeth, and, and headed out to class, and it was cold. And in, in, in Maine, University of Maine, you think you Albany is cold, University of Maine is even colder. And that particular day, I happened to see her, I don't know how I recognized her, but she was walking just in front of me to class, and I had just met her for the first time at breakfast. So I caught up to her and started saying hi to her, which is a great move. But the downside of the move was, is it was so cold, I was wearing a ski mask. And this was pre-COVID. Normal people didn't wear ski masks, right? Today you can meet people with masks and, you know, and it's okay. And her take on it is like, who is this weird guy that I don't know that is talking to me? And she quickly ditched me and went to the library. That was kind of the cutoff because you could warm up on your way to class, you know, kind of cut through it. Well, I, she happened to live in my dorm, so I talked to her again, I talked to her again, and before you know it, you know, I don't know what went on, got her attention a little bit, and I was so desperate to go out to, to, to take her on a date, and I didn't have a car, so I bought, I bought four dinners. I bought my dinner, her dinner, my roommate's dinner who had a car, and another girl for him to go to eat, just so I could take her out to eat. And long story short, we're now married. Don't despise little beginnings, right? Guys, that means there's hope for you. All right, there's hope for you, all right? Your parents will pay money if it comes down to that to help you get married. They will do that. Uh, I'm teasing you guys. So, but don't despise little things. When you have your coworkers and the way you carry yourself and live, the little invitations you do, the, don't underestimate the small things that you do. And continue in that, and don't be discouraged in that, and pray that God would give you opportunity that you could help individuals go further. And have in your mindset that, you know, today you may not sit down and see somebody pray to receive Christ, but do your very best that with everyone that you meet and work with to represent Jesus well and let God do the work that He's going to do and be faithful to share and pray for them because what God is doing in this world right now He's not waiting around for COVID to get solved because there's going to be the next pandemic and the next disease and the next thing to rock our family and individual worlds. And the world will continue to experience these things. But God all the while is being patient so that people could be saved. And that's the way you and I need to view the world around us, that God is being patient today. That's the biggest headline, not from God's perspective, not COVID. The biggest headline, God is like, hey, today, guys, I'm trying to save people around you. Today, I'm being patient and I'm waiting. I want all of this junk. I can't stand the suffering and the pain, but I'm waiting because there's some others out there that need to hear, that need to hear that gospel. Third thing that all of us should know, take care of our soul, take care of the souls of others, take care about what you believe. Peter then says, he says, now be careful he says, this stuff that Paul wrote is a little hard to get my head wrapped around. You're not alone. If you read the Bible, and I'm like, I don't know what in the world it's saying. Peter was an apostle, and he's like, I struggle with some of the stuff that's written that Paul said. But he said, be careful, because there are ignorant and unstable people that will twist these Bible verses. They'll weaponize them, if you will, and they'll twist them to their own destruction, like they do the rest of the Bible. So you be careful that you don't get carried away, that you don't get swept away in the flood of the latest fad or the latest thing that sounds good, the latest craziness. Peter is telling us this, 
Take care about what you believe. Because if you don't, you will become unstable. We don't like when things fall over. We don't like our little kids to fall down and get hurt. I'm a big boy. I don't like to fall down and get hurt. I do things that I fall down and get hurt, and I don't like it. I don't like my house to fall down, and then I get hurt again. I don't want my car to be unstable and to flip when I take a corner. I like stability. I like engineers. They make things work and not fall apart for me. Peter is telling us, be careful about what you believe because your beliefs are what give you stability in your life. We all have had friends and known people in, that we've worked with or in school or neighbors whose lives are unstable. They don't have a solid belief that's rooted in truth and grounded. When you trust Jesus as Lord of your life, you're not just receiving salvation, but you're receiving and accepting the truth, the body of truth that God is, is putting into your life, and it is designed to give you stability for the rest of your life and how you live your life to be your roadmap and to guide you. And when you ignore that and you don't pay attention to what you believe, you end up following the latest crazy thing that your friend wants to do. And you end up becoming very unstable in your relationships, in your life, in your lifestyle. And you end up making a shipwreck about that. So Peter says, take care. Be careful about what you believe. Have a healthy level of skepticism. You don't need to be so scared that you don't listen to anybody, but make sure you've got, you're reading this and asking God to help you understand and, and really listening for, to more than just one person and listening to the community. And that's it's what church is for. It's what our life groups are for when we ramp them back up this fall. It's to, to listen, not just to me, but to others that have the years of experience to help you to understand it. And, and if along the way you're not rejecting the teaching of somebody, somebody, hopefully not somebody in this church, but somebody out there, a blog or a video you watch or somebody that you hear on TV or whatever, if you don't see something that's not right and say, that's not right, I'm not going to listen to them, you're not being discerning enough. Think about it this way. How many of you are bona fide borderline coffee snobs? Yeah, there's. I thank you for your honesty. I knew two or three of you. There's a couple I didn't know. I'm I'm not a coffee snob. Now, coffee borderline coffee snobs. They all know they're in recovery. They all know they have an issue. They all are good about the reality of it, and they're okay with it. They've kind of come to terms with it, right? But they know good coffee and they know bad coffee. And most coffee is bad. Am I right? Most people don't have a clue how to make good coffee, and so they're going to make sure they get the good coffee. They know where to get it, and they know how to make it, and they buy all the little things to do it right, right? They know how to reject the bad stuff. They know how to take the good stuff. Sue, I didn't know you were a coffee snob, so I learned something about you today. That's cool. So we can have a little coffee snob huddle in the room, and you guys can compare and decide that really some of you are more snobbier than the others, but that's a whole other conversation. So think about it this way. If along the way, with your beliefs in Jesus, we just spent a whole chapter, three weeks, talking about the false teachers. If along the way, you're not discerning enough in your beliefs to say, this is good and this is bad, there's enough bad teaching out there to say, you really aren't paying attention enough to what you believe. You're not a connoisseur of coffee, or you're not a connoisseur of beliefs in the Bible. 
You don't understand the Bible well enough because you don't really know when something's right and when something's wrong. You're more like me. I can drink any kind of coffee. Now, some coffee's bad, and I'll just suffer through it. And some, I'm like, oh, I like this better, and I don't know why. And I'm just, I just go on in life, and it's no big deal to me. Don't do that with your beliefs, Peter says. Make sure you grow to the point where you recognize truth and you recognize error and you land on the side of truth. Become a belief snob is what Peter's telling us. If you don't, you will become unstable, you will fall in the ditch, and I've seen many young Christians over time end up in that ditch and stay away from that. Peter says, be careful about what you believe. Fourth thing and final. And not only should we take care of our soul, the souls of others, Take care about our beliefs, but take care about our own growth. Look what Peter, as he wraps up, he, he really goes back to chapter 1. That, that was chapter 2, being careful about false teachers, but he goes back to chapter 1 and he says this, don't lose your own stability in verse 17, but verse 18 he says, but grow. In other words, don't fall prey to bad teaching, but instead grow, learn, mature. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are signing up for a growth plan. You are registering for college for the rest of your life spiritually. You are signing up for the next continuing ed course for the rest of your life. The Christian faith is not something that you just adhere to. It's not like joining a club where you pay your dues and you meet the qualifications and you're in and you're done. The Christian life is actually meant to be a growth relationship with you and God. And that for the rest of your life, your life should be marked by growth. Peter says instead, make sure that you're growing in that grace. The, the grace is the, free, the, the love that God gives us freely. That you and I did everything to deserve not to be loved, to be cast out and to be condemned. Because we were not loving. We did things that were hurtful and harmful and hateful and wrong. Some things we did it and didn't realize it, and other things we did it very intentionally. But God loved us anyway. And He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. That, by definition, is grace. God reaching down to you and to me and giving us what we don't deserve it says, free and clear, all you have to do is accept my salvation. Surrender your life, accept me. Accept that forgiveness by faith. That's grace. And God wants us to grow in that. That means that today, none of us in this room can say that we've experienced all the grace that we will ever experience. All of us have more grace that God wants us to experience. Sean, are you saying that we should get more grace after we're saved and we need to get saved again? No, I'm not quite saying it like that. But I am saying it like this, that that wonderful picture that God says, you're free and clear of all of your sins, I don't see them anymore, you're forgiven and all of that, that's a positional legal thing that God makes a declaration as judge of our life. But He wants us to grow where we experience the realities of that more and more that we experience His unconditional love in our life more and more. You haven't experienced yet all of the love that God has for you. You haven't. You've experienced a lot of it. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know that you've experienced it. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've experienced it already. You experienced it this morning when the rain coming down, the Bible says, and when you got up 
and the good things in your life. You just might not be attributing them to God. But when we follow Jesus, we know that we've experienced His forgiveness and His grace. But He says, I have more that I want you to grow in. You see, our, our Christian growth, guys, is not primarily just learning facts and information. It's a growth in our relationship with God. And it's you and I experiencing more of that forgiveness in our life. Sometimes as Christians, young Christians, we struggle to accept that, that unconditional love even after we're saved because we so are hardwired to feel like we ought to earn it. And we carry that shame and that guilt. Part of growing a grace is realizing God's not looking at that stuff. You truly are forgiven. And He wants us to grow and, and receive that and accept that, to live in that relationship where we accept all of that forgiveness. Sometimes we get things twisted around, and this is popular Christian teaching. It's not biblical, but, well, I need to forgive myself. I know God's forgiven me, but I need to forgive myself. That's actually not from the Bible. It's actually a pop psychology kind of thing. Nowhere in the Bible do we need to forgive ourselves. We need to find forgiveness from God, and we need to seek forgiveness with others. But nowhere does the Bible tell us to forgive ourselves. Well, Sean, that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. True, fair point. However, the Bible tells us all that we need for godliness in life, we just read in 1 Peter. If we needed to know some other stuff that are really important for life, to kind of get our head screwed back on straight and straighten things out, He would have told us to forgive ourselves. We really don't, it's not in there. Actually, when you feel the need to forgive yourself, you don't realize it, but what you're trying to do is say, I really, God's forgiveness is not enough. It's not enough. I need my own forgiveness. And what you really are saying is, I call the shots and the standards of my life more than God. That doesn't sound very good, does it? It shouldn't. But when we say we need to forgive ourselves, that's what we're doing. We're saying, God says I'm off the hook, but I don't believe what God says. I still am going to feel on the hook. You see, actually, it's a little messed up to think that you need to be trying to forgive yourself. And there's Christian songs about it and all of that, and it's cool. No, it's not cool. It's actually very uh, uh, enslaving. We just need to accept God's perspective and accept His grace and love and say, I don't need, I can let all of that go because God's let it go, has let it go, and I'm going to accept what He says about me and not try to hold it myself. That's part of what Peter's saying here. Be careful about the Christian teaching you listen to. It will mess you up. And even good people says, can save some bad things. So grow in that grace and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in knowing Him as Lord, as your boss, and as your Savior. Your boss is not your Savior. Your boss can tell you what to do in some areas of your life, but not your Savior. You may have a medical condition or you need to go to the doctor and go to the hospital. Your doctor can be your Savior, but is not your boss. Jesus is both. He's our Lord and He's our Savior. And God wants us to know Him more and more in both of those ways. That He is our, the one who forgives us, the captain of our soul to experience His mercy, His forgiveness, His power, His love, His protection, His provision to experience the fullness of that in life. And because we've not lived all of our life yet, we haven't experienced that in all of the new things that are coming in front of us. And just as we know more and more each other in a marriage relationship, if you've been married 40 years, there's still new things for you to discover because there's new things in life that you haven't gone through together. 
And what Peter's telling us is to make sure in your mind and your heart that you don't get to this place that it's easy for us to as Christians that, well, I've gone through the Bible. I've heard a sermon in every passage of the Bible. I know all the basic theology of the Bible. I've read the Bible. I kind of run out of stuff. I'm just kind of, I, I, God's important to me, but I've run out of stuff. You see, our, our growth needs to be in relationship with God through the teaching of His Word. The Word is that. It's His words, but the outcome is really our growth in knowing Him. That's what we should value. That should be the greatest thing that we live for, is to grow in that. So guys, if you and I will put these four simple things as touchstones in our life. Mom and Dad, you ought to be helping your kids figuring that out. I wish somebody would have helped me long ago. To be honest with you, I didn't understand this is so simply until we went through this series with Peter, Second Peter this time. But these are the simple things that we need to help our kids understand, how to live that out. The Bible can be such an intimidating book. Oh my goodness, I just decided to follow Jesus. This is great. And then boom, we got this whole big thing. Well, let me just take you to 2 Peter. Look, here's what the Bible says you need to grow in. You have faith, start hungering virtue and take some steps in that way. Begin to learn some knowledge and begin to read the Bible and, and to know God. Begin to exercise self-control in your heart and help that person grow and help caution them about some dangerous teachers out there. Help them to live every day with an expectancy that Jesus is coming back, knowing that the reason He's waiting is because He wants them to be a part of leading other people to Jesus. That's what our Christian life is to be like. So this morning, whether you're online and grateful that you can, can join us this morning or you're here in person, what's God saying to your heart? Where do you need to think about things? Maybe you've struggled to forgive yourself, and I get the psychology of that. But hopefully I helped you to realize there's another way to look at that, that you really just need to accept God's forgiveness more, not forgive yourself. You need to fully accept God's forgiveness, really, is what facing, you're facing. Maybe that's what you need this morning as a response. Maybe you've not been focusing on the fact that God wants to lead other people around you to Jesus, and you've kind of ignored that. Maybe you've been timid, and God's been nudging on that. By faith, would you just take a simple step and give God something to work with? Maybe you've gotten frustrated and discouraged and just kind of washed your hands of it all, and I get that. But I would pray this morning that God would help you to, to take heart in the little things that you're doing and that God would give you a, the blessing of seeing that next step with somebody. Maybe you've kind of neglected your own soul. I don't know. But whatever God has spoken in your heart, I'm going to pray I'm going to give you a second to pray yourself before I pray. And would you just respond to God? Because at the end of the day, it's our relationship with Him. And if you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus as Lord of your life, then your next prayer ought to be, God, I haven't done that. I want to do that. Would you help me? And would you then take the next step and, and look at His Word or talk to somebody or talk with me? But God is waiting on coming back because He's giving you the opportunity He's patient with you despite all of your sin and all of your junk. And he wants you to surrender your life to Jesus. Would you take that time today and do that? So let's pray and respond to God. Lord, I pray for those, the thoughts and the things that are in our hearts this morning. I thank you for just the truth that so engages our soul. 
And Lord, I'm laid bare by the truth of 2 Peter, and I'm grateful for that. Thank you for how you speak those words by your Spirit into our heart. And I pray, Father, for every area that's being thought about, being considered in each person's life. Lord, I pray for the moms and dads to help their kids to just understand what it means to live the Christian life. Not a set of rules, not just a lifestyle or just a, uh, I guess, obedience things that we do, but you're a person to be known and a life to be lived out with you. Help us to convey that to our kids well. Help us to, to live that out openly, not giving up on the people around us that you're delaying returning because you're not giving up on those people and therefore we shouldn't either. Help us to love them. Help us not to get discouraged, but to represent you well. Father, help us to care for our souls and to grow. I lift every person this morning online and here uh, present today. Would you bless them? Would you help them to grow in these areas? I pray this simply in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I pray that whatever God put in your heart, you'll take a minute today, maybe when you go to bed. I don't know what your things are, or maybe before lunch, but think about it. And let me encourage you to share a little something with somebody too. You'll actually learn it more. God will speak it into your heart, and He'll turn around and multiply those truths with somebody else. So encourage somebody with what you've said today. God bless you. Have a great, blessed week. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.